Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Hops and Fins, the podcast where two friends chat about sharks and shark films over a beer. I'm Jim here and as always I'm joined by my friend Stuart Govan. Stuart, how are you today? Very well, how are you sir? Yes, not too bad, thanks, not too bad. Been uh, maybe quite a few months since we last recorded an episode, so it's, uh, it's about time yes. we did it. Yep, let's make up for it with a, an absolute gem with a... <laughs> Some top-notch reviewing. <laughs> well, I'm sure ultimately we're going to do a we're going to do a rundown of all the films we reviewed, and uh, hmm, yes, let's see what today's will end up on. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, let's uh, let's not give too much away about no. uh, this one. No, not at all. for a treat. Not as much of a treat as we were watching the film, but uh, but certainly listening is, is in for a treat. Obviously, the, f- the first part of the podcast named Hops uh, refers to beer. And um, so we, we both like to just enjoy a beer. So it's just two pals. It's almost started in the sort of lockdown days. I guess we're at the point where we probably could do this in person, but it's sort of as easier to uh, to do it at home um, over a beer and over Zoom. So um, without further ado, Stuart, have you got a beer there? And, what, and if so, what have you got? I do. I've got one that you kindly brought back from Italy for me. A Bira oh. Dello Stretto Premium Lager. Okay, smashing. What's well, good? Okay, well, I, I, see, I, see, I didn't. I've not. I've not. I've not tried it myself. Um, I've got Ichnuso Non Filtrata, so unfiltered uh, from a brewery in Calgary. And funny enough, Calgary were on the TV earlier on in football. So uh, anyway, I've got a beer from here. English are a bit bigger than yours, so I sort of feel guilty about that. Um, uh, so I'm actually, it's funny. I brought we've had these we've had these beers for so long, and it's been such a, such a while since we last did a podcast that uh, I'm going back to Italy this weekend. So I'll bring you back another one for the, <laughs> for the next episode. So um, review my, Italian beers. Can't go wrong with that. Definitely, definitely. So oh well, Stuart, and I, I should actually got um, from my from my sweetheart for Valentine's Day. I got. Uh, a shark bottle opener, so I'm gonna give it its maiden, its maiden voyage, its maiden opening. That is tremendous. That's a great bottle opener. I've got my shark one as well. Awesome. Well dressed for the occasion. Cheers. Well, Cheers. That's pretty good. Eh? Quite dark. Pretty good. It's not. Um, I've had a few hazy beers lately. This is not like that. It's a wee bit more. I don't know if sour's not really the, the right word either, but things a be a bit darker than that. Nice, so very good. good. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. great. What about yourself? This is lovely. It's uh, it's not as gassy as our, despite it being a lager, it's not a gassy one at all. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite smooth. It's a smooth one. It's lovely. That's nice. I would recommend. Excellent. Well, I'll, uh, I'll be in a supermercato at the weekend and uh, I'll be sure to be sure to buy another one. Let's uh, don't bother bringing any clothes back. Just fill your suitcase. Yeah. With beer. <laughs> well, the, la- the last time I was there I was in the supermarket, and I only bought those two beers, but I filled it up with like pasta, uh, chocolate, coffee, like two kilos of pasta, two kilos of coffee. I, I shopped. 
I got so carried away, I shopped like I had my own car parked outside and I was about to drive 10 minutes back home. <laughs> uh, I got back to the hotel and I was trying to pack up my case and I was like, what on earth was I thinking about? Um, so you just ate it before you come back? I, 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 I gave it a good, I gave it a good go, yeah. <laughs> some, of it, some of it's still there, so still some pasta to be collected. So, Stuart, <laughs> the time has come to re- reveal the film that we we're talking about this week. Um, now, this was a film that um, my fiance bought for you in a charity shop in Fort William. Uh, she'd never, I was going to say she didn't met you then, she still hasn't met you, but obviously, obviously, I'd given her a glowing review of you and I think she liked Charles. So, she picked it out and said, We can get this for Stuart. So, Stuart, what is what was that film that cost two pounds fifty in Fort William in a Fort William charity shop? Well, it was one that I know I don't really want to meet her because it's left me scarred for life. <laughs> no, it was a very kind present, and it was a dino shark. If you thought it was safe to go back in the water, it looks kind of big for a dolphin. You were wrong. <laughs> oh my god! Speedy. I'm going to find this thing that killed my friend. Deadly. How do we kill it? Hungry. It's feeding time. Feast on Dino Shark on DVD now. The 2010 classic. The 2010 classic. Now, if that doesn't, um, if the the name itself doesn't instantly paint a picture for you, then you're really not doing this right. I mean, I had the the IMDb up, and the the still of the trailer is basically a woman in a bikini walking away from the camera. So they're clearly trying to sell it. Yeah, yeah. Sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and even the poster as a woman swimming next to this creature. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think that was a scene from the film. So, uh, no. so yes, think... Dino Shark was the thing. So that's your initial thoughts on it then. Well, it's funny. I think, as you say, it's, as you say, it's more of a creature. It isn't really a shark, is it? It's a... If we start, what if I start, I've got the, the plot here summarised on Wikipedia. The film opens with a baby pliosaur, which was a real thing, swimming away from a broken chunk of Arctic glacier that dropped off due to global warming. Three years later, it is a ferocious adult and kills tourists and locals offshore from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. The protagonist... Trace is first to notice the pliosaur and witness his, witnesses his friend get eaten, but has trouble convincing people that a creature of such antiquity is al- still alive and eating people. And so there we have, you know, uh, an hour and a half or so of, I mean, basically, basic insanity, really. Um, as you say, there's, you know, there's sort of needless bikini shots and things, um, and there's the sort of general disbelief of someone trying to convince Everybody else that you know, he's basically seen a dinosaur eating people, um, and you know from and, and there's some some classic scenes as well though. Well, it's the, the surfer who sort of just surfs off the top of a wave and it just appears from nowhere, and just casually eats something and disappears, and then the scene moves on. It's no there's no real trauma or anything in it, and um, but also perhaps my favourite bit of the film as well. Uh, he's on a jet ski and he jumps, he jumps off the jet ski and. Like launches a grenade at the dino shark. So, yeah, it's quite it's quite something. It's quite something. Stuart, what do you think? Well, yeah, um, something quite nice. Uh, 
I mean, I'll start with saying, obviously, it's not, it was never made to be a cinematic masterpiece. It was a sci-fi channel straight to straight to TV, DVD film with a two million budget, apparently. And I'm kind of intrigued with what they did with that two million. Pocketed most of it, probably. Uh, they actually had one of the main characters, Eric Balfour. And I was watching him going, I recognise him. So I recognise him from 24, he was he was in the series 24 for a number of episodes, so, you know, the decent pedigree. Yeah, no. Relatively decent. Yeah, well, he was in the programme Six Feet Under, if you remember that. Six Feet Under was one of the first yep. programmes that I really loved, you know, like you kind of get there, you wait for the next episode, which, you know, it's kind of commonplace, Netflix, next, you know, next. but this was back in the day, I think it was on Channel 4, and... Um, I would watch, it was the one I would wait for every every night, every week, sorry, uh, when it would come out. And so he was in that, uh, alongside people like Michael C. Hall from Dexter. Um, yeah. That, it was a programme written by Alan Ball, who also wrote American Beauty. So there, it, there was a really good pedigree around it. He was obviously quite a young guy at the time. He's about the same age as me now. I think he's in his 40s, mid-40s. So still pretty young, obviously, like me. But... Um, but yeah, he's so he has got a he has got a bit of pedigree. Yeah, it's funny. The I saw a review written and um someone wrote, looks like it's been quite a fall from HBO's six feet under to sci-fi channels, six leagues under the CGIC for headliner Eric Balfour and Dino Sharp. But actors have to eat too, right? And I was thinking, well, is that a bit harsh? Like, you know, all right. It's not, this isn't the best film that's ever been made. It's not the best film that's ever been reviewed in this podcast, but I was thinking, you know, he's an actor, he's a working actor. You know, he's got a job down in Mexico for a few months acting. I thought, you know, I spend, I know I love my job, but I spend half an hour a day in traffic, uh, a traffic jam in M80. So, you know, Eric Balfour's not doing that. So um, <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Is that harsh? Is it, are we judging? Are we, do we judge people quite harshly, you know, because of oh, this is what you used to do and look at them now? I think, well, what's this with you? People apart from sitting at a computer and make snide comments about people. Yeah. I've got no issue with people doing that. And to, and he, for me, he was, if you're really big and narrow down, it's, he, he was a standout amongst the cast. You know, everyone was exceptionally wooden and, Genuinely, some of them looked as though it was a first time acting. So he, he, he probably called in a performance, but that's all he needed to do. And see, he was probably the, the best out of the lot. Um, I've got no issue with that. It's just Michael Caine did it, didn't he? And George jumped Ford. out to George Four. So and he said quite open about it. He says, did it for the money? He bought me a beach house, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, I, I don't. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong. No. He's a practically he's a, he's a freelancer who picks and chooses jobs. He does one. He was offered a wee bit of money for his job. Exactly. There we go. Yeah, but any any scenes in particular grab you? Well, <laughs> the one I laughed at the most <laughs> was that I had to go back and watch it. I didn't go back and watch. I bet you did. <laughs> what you might think. I went back and watched because I was like, did that just happen? Did I, did I just fall asleep and skip an entire? plot here but uh, yes the, the main uh one of the main protagonists in it carol i think her name was she's she didn't believe our hero uh, eric balfour mm -hmm. it was trace mcgraw 
and it's deep, so I dino, a dino, it's a, which I have an issue with the title is the fact it's neither a dinosaur or a shark, but it's called a dino shark. Um, so she was studying and finding out, so she's on, taping away on her computer and he's one of the worst looking websites you'll ever, you'll ever find. Up pops this image of the creature that is, uh, has been discovered and she thinks it is it. And she sometimes, for some reason, she really thinks that this must be it. And so in sudden shock, she stands up and takes off her top. And then the scene cuts, and then the next scene she's walking in the harbour. And it's, <laughs> I have to go back and go, what? <laughs> why, why did she take off her top? <laughs> it, was, it was baffling. And I, I genuinely wonder, whether was there a scene cut in that? <laughs> like the, yeah, that's... Thought, you know, well, that's a bit too, going to adult territory, I don't know. But it just was so bizarre. Because yeah. he just takes stands up, takes off the top, cut, yeah. and then goes to the next season. She's on the on the harbor. It's like, yeah. what? Like, what am I missing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd yeah. love to know if there was a genuine scene cut of. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that could have been, but it was. It made me laugh. It made me giggle quite a bit. That's a good point. I, I didn't think of. I didn't think of that actually. That there was a potentially there was a there was a scene cut. But yeah, no, it was. It, it's wild. It's wild. Another review. Um, from IGN DVD for a movie called Dino Shark, the narrative is surprisingly dull, but makes up for it during the amusing action set pieces. Um, but the sci fi exploitation films of Corman's heyday, movies like Galaxy of Terror, Star Crash, uh, and Humanoids from the Deep, were not made for laughs, they were meant to be taken seriously, which made the unintentional humor all the more enjoyable. And even though the monsters were made of rubber and the effects were both cheap and exploitative, there was a very tangible charm to the films. They were and still are quite entertaining and often very effective. Sadly, Dino Shark and films like it are a little too self-aware of their own inherent absurdity. And while this particular film does try to keep a straight face, the action beats and well, shark attacks, but really creature attacks, all but winks at the audience, letting them know it's all just a big la a big joke. But if you're in the market for a mindless, semi-enjoyable sci-fi monster movie, Dino Shark should deliver the goods. I think that's a fairly, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I, I do think it was a relatively dull film. Like it didn't, like I, I can go for an absurd film, but it wasn't particularly exciting. And I should say sequences were over the top, like you see the jet ski and he throws a grenade in the mouth. I apologise, you just ruined the entire film for people there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was absurd and it's a B movie, isn't it? We've yeah. spoken about this, what is a B movie before and whether things could be lumped into, but it's straight to TV, so I would class it as a B movie. It knows what it's doing and yes, perhaps it tries to take itself too seriously. Try to be straight laced and it's, it's just absurd and maybe should be a wee bit more humorous because there was no, there was no jokes in it. The dialogue was could have been written by anybody. Yeah. It was pretty poor, in yeah. that sense. The I should say the the Corman that I referred to in the, in that review there was uh, it's Roger Corman who produced it, um, who has regularly churned out B movies. Um, as I said, just just I haven't seen them, any of these to be honest with you, but um, many of his latest films, especially Shark Sharktopus. 
and aforementioned Galaxy of Terror and Star Crash. So uh, it's um, it's it's funny. It's uh, it's it's obviously this guy's obviously got a pedigree in the B movie scene, but uh, so I'm not well totally well versed in his in his background. But um, yeah, it's well, he was actually in the film as well. Oh, is he right? Yeah, he was um, the professor guy, Doctor Frank Reeves. Oh yeah. Who was he was? He should maybe stick to producing because he's a terrible actor. Terrible actor. I'm just looking through some. Yes, he's done a lot of B movies. Uh, Sharktopus versus Whale Wolf. Right. Okay. Right. I found our next film. There we go. Sounds, sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, audience score twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, the Rotten Tomatoes gave Dino Sharp an audience score of twenty two percent. They only had two critic critics um, reviews, which seem to not not be enough to get it a, a, a kind of critics percentage, but twenty two percent from the audience. Uh, what do you think of some of the graphics and things? Some of the special effects. I was blown away by them. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that yeah. I thought the creature itself was at times, especially when it was under the water, was you know seemed to be sort of realistic, but they sort of. But some of the some of the other scenes are not a bit daft. Yeah, but for a two million budget in two thousand ten in particular, it's not yeah, really, it's not really it's to be expected, isn't it? It was what you really expected from. Yeah. If it was any better than that, I would have been surprised. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, but it wasn't quite the level of someone holding a rubber dinosaur and bringing it out of the water yeah. by hand and CGing out the hand. So it was. Yeah. It was to be expected for the level of form, I would say. So, Stu, the all-important question. How many fins out of five would you give it? I think I'm going to have to give it one. One? Okay. Now, I think last time for Open Water, I said two. I gave two for effort, I think it was. Right, right. Whereas at least I didn't feel this deserves the extra one for effort. No? Okay. No. What about yourself? Um, maybe, yeah, maybe like one and a, maybe one and a half. There was some entertaining moments in it, quite silly moments. Yeah. Um, kind, kind of funny. So, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll say one and a half fins. Okay, so it's probably the worst so far. It, it's probably been the worst so far. It's, uh, you know, to, to sum up, Stacey Lane Wilson from Horror.com, Dino Shark has its moments. Unfortunately, there are not enough of them. Uh, the film is actually a remake of the 1979 film Up From The Depths, and let me just give you a quick summary of the plot of that. The staff and vacationers at a first-class resort on the island of Maui are beginning to mysteriously disappear. A biologist believes that an underwater earthquake has caused a giant and very hungry, dormant prehistoric fish to be released from its slumber. The fish voraciously helps itself to a tourist buffet now it's open season for the local fishermen to find and kill the creature. And I think now we've done that, probably that's probably that's probably as much information as we need, we're ever going to need on up, up from the depths. Yeah, I feel as I've seen it now after hearing <laughs> that. So <laughs> I think we can combine that with Dino Shark. You've pretty much you've pretty much seen seen what it is. But, yep. but there we go, Dino Shark, check it out. If you're in Fort William, it was on sale for £2.50. Jimmy came across a really interesting article about uh, the world's best underwater underwater 
photograph of late. Yep. Uh, the so Rafael Fernandez Caballero from Spain was named Underwater Fo Photographer of the Year for 2022. Um, only, only a few weeks old, he's already won that, so good on him. Uh, but it's an astounding photo of five whale sharks feeding together at night in the waters of the Maldives. Um, and it, it really it really is, it's tremendous. Um, and we'll post, post a link alongside the uh, alongside the podcast. But Giants of the Night is what he called it. It features five whale sharks, the biggest fish in the world, feeding together on nocturnal plankton that have been concentrated in the light of a boat. It was already incredible when one whale shark came out to our boat, explained Fernandez, but more and more kept arriving. I was diving um, with a shark researcher who couldn't believe it as their numbers grew, counted 11 sharks that night, a once in a lifetime encounter that nobody thought was possible. And yeah, it looks, it's almost, it's like, it's other, anyway, when you see photos from underwater, it, they are almost sort of otherworldly anyway. You can add into the fact that this is at nighttime and, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, as I say, you just see uh, two fish, mouth open, just, just going for it. And it's hard to sort of get a perspective on how how big they are. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. One 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 shark's approaching the lens and stuff. It's just fantastic. So, um, it's yeah. stunning. It's a really stunning image. Uh, one of the judges said this image took my breath away from the first viewing, and I never tired going back to it. Scale, light, and sheer numbers are big subjects. This was by some distance a winning image. Can't disagree. It's really stunning. Yeah, no, it's incredible. The, when we finish up, I'm gonna I will go hunting for Rafael Fernandez Caballero's Instagram account and see if, see what else he's got nice. there. Yeah, no, it's tremendous. It's almost it's yeah, it's almost unreal, really. So, well, fantastic. And some more news this time from Ireland, um, on basking sharks. Basking sharks primarily believed to leave. Uh, the waters around Ireland and the coast around uh, Scotland as well during the winter to migrate to warmer seas. Um, but a new study found that some individuals decide to stay. Um, basking sharks can grow up to 12 metres in length and are known to frequent Irish waters and coastal marine habitats each summer. Um, they're currently listed as endangered. Um, the species is usually sighted in Irish coastal waters from May to September to feed on plankton. And until recently, researchers believe that the sharks would either migrate to warmer oceans during the winter months or cross the Atlantic. However, according to reporting by the Donegal Daily, a team of scientists from Queen's University of Belfast and Canada's Western University has now found evidence of some individuals staying around Ireland's coast in winter where they remained below the surface. Uh, by attaching um, archival satellite tags to four basking sharks, the team was able to record water temperature, depth and location of the sharks for six months and the tags showed that two sharks migrated to Africa in the winter while the other two remained near the Irish coastline. Now there's a company up in Oban that does um, trips out to see basking sharks and this, one, of my, one of my ambitions is to go along with them one at least once and so that's pretty interesting, you know, they're, they're they're sort of mythical creatures. They're so huge as well, um, and I spent a lot of summers in the in the sort of banks of Loch Fyne with my grandparents. And I always they always always thought that there was basking sharks, and then I didn't ever see one. 
Um, so this is pretty. This is pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's also fascinating that they're still learning about and their, their habits. Yeah, it just shows how, so how much, how little we know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact they're constantly learning. That's yeah. No, it's intriguing. It is no great, absolutely brilliant. Okay, sure. It'd be remiss of us not to, to to have a podcast about sharks and not to discuss the fact that um, in Sydney last week, a, a city that we both know pretty well. Um, just off the beach, um, a guy was out swimming, um, a British guy called Simon Nellist was out swimming and he was uh, he was killed by a shark. Um, just obviously, you know, just having an afternoon swim, practicing for a, an event at the weekend, um, and he was just suddenly taken in front of some horrified onlookers. I mean, obviously, we both understand, you know, we understand what uh, we, like many people, you know, we, we admire sharks, think they're fantastic, but of course, you know, uh, when sharks are in the ocean and you're in the ocean, these these sort of horrendous things can happen. Reading a bit about the guy, he spoke out about, you know, the kind of things that they actually use to protect the beaches around Sydney, like drum lines and things, which can attract things like sharks. They can maybe tag them, but they do also kill other wildlife. And so in that respect, that can be quite harmful to, to the ocean and to, and to wildlife. Um, and, and this guy had spoken about them. You know, I'm not going to suppose what he thought or what he uh, what he believed, but you know, it seemed that he was at least sympath- you know sympathetic. And but it's you know, it's obviously uh, you know, it's a it's a freak occurrence, a horrific occurrence. That's obviously no comfort though to you know to his fiance who's due to get married later this year, and to his family who's from the UK, to his family back in the UK as well. So and to his friends, it's obviously a horrific thing. But I say no comfort to them the fact that it's a complete freak freak occurrence. No, it's, it's incredibly sad, uh, like you say, it's a freak occurrence, because that's the first attack in city of Sydney for fatal attack for nearly 60 years. Yeah, yeah. A shark. So, I mean, obviously, like you say, the drum lines, and they've, they've put in a lot to try and protect people. I remember hearing a story about the, the last one, it was a woman, uh, 60 years ago, who actually possibly could have survived, but the ambulance broke down, taking her to Orton. Um, and that's great for another one. Uh, anyway, just let's go away from that. But while it is extremely tragic, but the fact that, that it has been 60 years in that area and how infrequent these kind of attacks happen, um, it shows that just it, it was a freak thing. And these animals are just that's the hunting machines, aren't they? And it was just mistaken identity. I think so. The people have talked about. In fact, you know, he wore a wetsuit, which people have said was a bit unusual. Most people weren't, didn't wear wetsuits because it's it's quite warm. I mean, it's, the, it's the mid, still the middle of something. February is normally the hottest month in Sydney of the year, so but you know, he just he wore that was his habit, and um, it was possibly mistaken. So, yeah, it's really bad. It's horrific. You know, it's really really terrible. I mean, that's one of the things about why they're so fascinating. Sharks, you know, they're capable of, and you know, they're only doing what comes natural to them. It's you know, they they live in the ocean. And humans, you know, go in the ocean, and of course, you assume you assume these risks. So, uh, a freak occurrence, a tragic occurrence, but obviously, there's been talk that they've been looking for the shark. I don't, you know, I don't know what the out, you know, what's the outcome? What's the point of killing the shark? You know, it's going to bring the guy back, or yeah, it's really, it's really sad. It's um, it's really, it's a sad thing, as you say. What it's the first yeah. time in sixty years. I'm, I'm not sure whether we're tracking the shark. Like it's, it's kind of unclear whether there was just shark uh, tracking it to. 
to make sure it was not in the immediate vicinity that doesn't bring danger to other people. Uh, it was believed to be at least 13 foot long, uh, great white shark. I did read somewhere that doesn't seem to be the appetite anymore to kill these sharks, revenge or whatever it is. They, What's the point? I didn't like the headlines. It was like man mauled by shark, and it was obviously a, it was a, a brutal type. It's to me like man mauled by shark makes it sound like the animals just turned on him. Mm-hmm. Through sheer anger or vengeance, yeah, I, I, and it just it didn't sit right for me the way that headline was. It's, it's just it was mistaken identity, like you said. It was maybe wearing a wetsuit. I, I was listening to something recently where they were saying that it's still a wee bit unknown about whether a wetsuit, like a dark wetsuit, makes them mistake them for a seal. But there was also, I think it was Mick Fanning who quite often had bright luminous boards and they actually thought that might attract them. So yeah. still that, like you see, there's an unknown of whether, yeah, yeah. you know, bright, they go, oh no, that's not for me, that's not a seal, or whether that attracts them, I, I think it's still unknown. Maybe there's been more research and I haven't seen it, I don't know, this is just yeah. something I heard of late. Uh, also, the car, like a black wetsuit or a dark wetsuit is, could easily be mistaken for a seal. Yeah. Can imagine what should support the shark. It, it did seem to go back from again the second time. Uh, more tragic. Uh, and there was a lot of horrified witnesses. There's, there's videos going around which I, I'm not a fan of. I don't think that's right. It's not fair if the family saw it. It's not yeah, required. Yeah. No, it's not. Social it? media, anyway, if they want to send it for scientific purposes, and that's fair enough. But it's, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, no, it just doesn't serve any purpose, does it? No, not at all. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that's the, the the harsh reality. Unfortunately, sometimes when you go in the ocean, there's some. It's obviously, and it's a, it's obviously a mysterious place. Almost like we were talking about that that photograph before. It's kind of an unknown. It's a kind of mysterious, unknown, otherworldly thing that we still Absolutely. people still don't fully understand. So anyway, we can only. I'm not sure we ever will either, because it's just um, no. It's their territory. You're going into their territory and. Like that's just what they're, what they're going to do. They're just doing what's come natural to them. They're not those. There's nothing personal. what shark films may suggest, they have no vengeance or dislike for humans. Yeah, yeah. So that is us for this time, Stuart. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Good to see you again, as always. You too. And uh, thanks again for the film and bringing that into my life uh, <laughs> and bringing it onto this podcast probably cost about the same as that beer as well so really it's um it was really a bargain it was a win-win all around really wasn't it it was one win nice one well we'll be back soon uh with another film review and some some of the latest sharp news but for myself and shoot for now take care all the best